ghost emoji. I'm Becca. And I'm Taylor. And today we're talking about mm, ley lines. Oh boy, I love Outlaw Star. Yeah, it's not the galactic ley line. Although, if we knew of, like, space ley lines, I would have been way more interested in that. But It's too big. <laughs> it's too much. It's this too was big. enough, honestly. Yeah, this is, there's a lot here. D- diggity dang. Yep, yep. Did a lot of research, read some books. A real life, well, not a real life book. It was a, a, a digital book. Well, it's an actual book, but I bought the digital version because I didn't want to have to wait for it to ship. You didn't want to have to go into a creepy old library and and be like, where's your book on ley lines? And they take you through a dark curtain to the back and they're like, here's where all the magical books be kept. And then somehow I get <laughs> sacrificed on a ley line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's much safer just to get the ebook. Yeah, it was also a lot cheaper. <laughs> but my interest in ley lines sort of came from one outlaw star and two <laughs> most important anime. Anime. Also, I read the Raven Cycle series by Maggie Steve Otter and um a lot of the books are about a ley line in like either Virginia or West Virginia, I can't remember which. And um, basically, it just sounded really cool, the idea of, like, these lines in the landscape that enough weird shit has happened, like, on them, or enough sort of ancient things are buried or or just happen to be there that it, like, collects cosmic energy or or magical energy or just energy in general and and you can like harness that the idea of it is really like interesting and kind of spooky so but which came first are the ley lines there because there's magic stuff happening or is magic stuff happening there because there's a juicy vein of magic running through the earth i don't know i i feel like it might be i don't know it's a good question i feel like enough ley lines like quote-unquote get formed by just you know there being pathways and and things that people have taken over and over and over but i don't know if it's it's that whole like what came first chicken or the egg i don't know i mean the fact that this probably isn't real also the egg or the ley line yeah egg or the ley line the the leg line so sorry if i bonked my mic earlier there was a gnat flying in front of me and i was trying to clap it very quietly and I definitely did it while I was talking. <laughs> Oops. Whoops-a-doodle. Were you trying to eat it? No, I was clapping it with my hands. I just did it again. Now there's going to be a clap right right in the mic. Clip, clip. Anyways, ley lines by definition are apparent alignments of landmarks, religious sites, or man-made structures. The pseudoscientific belief is that these apparent lines are not accidental and they speculate that they're straight, navigatable paths and have spiritual significance. Um, some believe that these monuments and locations were used by churches, Freemasons, and city planners to harness spiritual energy. And to those who like believe in ley lines, the concept is really simple. Ley lines are lines that crisscross around the globe, like latitudinal and longitudinal lines that are dotted with monuments and natural landforms and carry along them rivers of supernatural energy. Along these lines, at the places they intersect, there are pockets of concentrated energy that can be harnessed by certain individuals. Can I do it? I wish. Do you want me to have that kind of power, though? Uh, I feel like you wouldn't do anything bad with it. I would do something useless with it. Yeah. I would just use it to multiply my own uh, fortune. I would just want more money for energy drinks and video games. Can I do that? Is that how this works? I don't think that's how it works. Can I summon a money ghost? Are there money ghosts? There is when I'm in charge of the ley lines. Okay. Now I'm just imagining ley lines as like these veins that run underground that are full of like glowing yellow liquid, like mango kickstart. And it's given all that paranormal energy all around the globe and a big, big net, big crisscross net. Mm-hmm. Is that not accurate? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Oh, man. That's exactly what it is. I'm glad I'm catching on. (laughs) All right. Let's see where this started. And Becca knows more about this than me, so please stop me and correct me if I start making incorrect assumptions. 
about the nature of the juice that runs through these magic rivers underground, above in the sky, somewhere. I feel like it's a bit of both. On another plane, the juice plane. It's just it's <laughs> just mango kickstart. Mm, I'm sorry, I'm drinking a mango kickstart right now, so it's I've got more mango kickstart in me than I have anything else because I went to the doctor this morning and they took like all my blood out. And so now it's just mango kickstarts all the way down. Also got my flu shot. It's already popping up, so make sure mm. you go get vaccinated. Gotta get that herd immunity. It's way too early for there to be flu season, but whatever. Wee. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so. Origin. Colon. Uh, the phrase, which I'm assuming means the phrase, like, ley lines. Yeah. The ley phrase line, ley line yeah. was coined in 1921 by the amateur archaeologist Alfred Watkins. We're going to call him Al. <laughs> oh, Al. Good old Al. Uh, he noticed that ancient sites at different points around the world all seem to fall in a sort of alignment. Places of geographical and historical interest, such as ancient monuments, ridgetops, and fjords. Does he mean, like... Like the Swedish fjords? <laughs> I have no idea. I think it's a British term that I don't understand. I didn't no, care well, to look it up. It says fjords, which I assumed was fjords, but since he is a Britishman, um, I guess it could just be a ford. Whatever that may be. It's lining up with everything else. Uh, he wrote two books, which is two more books than I have written, called Earlish British Trackways, Early British Trackways, and The Old Straight Track, which... Sounds like a weird, like, old self-help book. Time to get on the old straight track. Um, and in both of these, he was attempting to identify prehistoric trackways in the British landscape. Um, he later developed some theories that these alignments were created for ease of overland travelers by line-of-sight navigation during the Neolithic times. So I guess they could just, like, see them and go from one point to another. Um, and that they had persisted in the landscape over millennia. The writer John Mitchell, which I kept reading as Joni Mitchell, do not be fooled like I was. It's just John Mitchell. Uh, he revived the term ley lines and associated it with spiritual and mystical theories about alignments of landforms, drawing on the Chinese concept of feng shui. He believed that a mystical network of ley lines existed across Britain, uh, which is a notion that was actively promoted by the Lay Hunter magazine, edited at the time by his biographer, Paul Screeton. So, like, most of the the stuff that we use now was coined initially by Alfred Watkins, but then later there's a lot of people who basically took kind of like what he had mm -hmm. come up with and expanded on it and stuff, which is interesting, but I don't know if it was necessarily he no what he idea. like initially envisioned for it. <laughs> Watkins, you old so-and-so. But it's really interesting. I mean... Since it's a pseudoscience, which means it's not a real science. Yeah. That's literally <laughs> what it means. Part part of uh part of that is uh dowsing. Like when I was reading the book and, and a bunch of other articles and stuff, a lot of them talked about how you could use a dowsing rod essentially to find like uh groundwater or ley lines and because often both are linked as many ley lines fall along old wells and streams. So dowsing is a type of divination employed in attempts to locate groundwater, buried metals or ores, gemstones, oil, grave sites, and many other objects and materials without the use of scientific apparatus. <laughs> Dowsing is considered a pseudoscience, again, not a real science, and there is no scientific evidence that it is more effective than <laughs> random chance, which is a beautiful sentence, honestly. So you can pretty much just take like an old hanger and then shape it into a dowsing rod and like walk around your local villa and just Go to town. Find whatever you want. You could, but if you really want to, if you want to get into the, the dowsing scene, you want to be a, a super serious dowser, then there's two different ways you can do it. All right, lay it on me. <laughs> there's the Y-shaped, which is, I think, what we typically have seen in, like, movies and things like that. Like, I'm pretty sure Coraline uses a dowsing, like a Y-shaped dowsing rod in Coraline. So it must be true. 
Um, so it's a Y-shaped branch from a tree or bush. Some dowsers prefer branches from particular trees, and some prefer the branches to be freshly cut. Hazel twigs in Europe and witch hazel in the United States are traditionally commonly chosen, as are branches from willow or peach trees. The two ends on the forked side are held one in each hand with the third, the stem of the Y pointing straight ahead. Often the branches are grasped palm down. The dowser then walks slowly over the places where he suspects he or she, or they, suspect the target, for example, minerals or waters, may be, and the dowsing rod is expected to dip, incline, or twitch when a discovery is made. This method is sometimes known as willow witching. Willow witching. Willow witching. It's just, I don't know, there's something, like, charming about this sort of stuff, because I'm like, at some point people thought this was real, and then it's just carried over, and I think that that's really interesting. It is interesting. I guess if I saw someone using a dowsing rod, like, in the woods or something, I can't say that I wouldn't have, like, a bully reaction and just push him down in the dirt. You're no fun. Is that rude? (sighs) All right, so your other option is the L-rod. Many dowsers today use a pair of simple L-shaped metal rods. One rod is held in each hand with the short arm of the L held upright and the long arm pointing forward. When something is found... The rods cross over one another. If the object is long and straight, such as a water pipe, the rods may point in opposite directions, showing its orientation. The rods may be fashioned from wire coat hangers or wire flags used for locating utilities. Glass or plastic rods have also been accepted. Straight rods are also sometimes used for the same purpose and were not uncommon in early 19th century New England. So are these, you said they're used to find ley lines or water? Both. Okay. Well, I mean... People will use dowsing rods to look for, like, like I said... Dead bodies. Buried metal, gemstones, oil, grave sites, anything that's, I guess, like, even slightly spiritual or falls, I think, under the pseudoscience, like... Pile of garbage. Realm of garbage, (laughs) yes. So, I mean, the thing is, does it really work? I have no idea. I've never used a dowsing rod. A toad Do I think it sounds interesting? Yes. Hell yes. I want to find all the toad dens. Yeah, see? Just go douse. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Let me touch you. I want to pet your little head. Oh, I do. Those little pebble skin heads. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love a good toad. Frogs are good too, but I also love a toad. They're good babies. So is this mainly something that's like popular in Britain and the US? Because I noticed a lot of these, it, it mainly just talks about like what they use in the UK or over here in the U.S.? I think it's practiced pretty much everywhere. It's just the main places that people do this kind of shit I, that I found were Britain and the U.S. But honestly, like, if I had delved into other cultures, like, I didn't even go into the Americas. I literally stayed in Europe because... It's just too much information. Like, it's too much to try and cover. Wow, exactly. Because I saw other stuff, like, I don't remember what countries, but there were other places, and they talked about it in the book that we're going to reference, but mostly I just stuck to British. Not even European, but just British ley lines. Dang. Yeah, so. Okay. So, if I were to go along a ley line, if I got out my, my L rod, my love rod, as I call it, that sounds like a euphemism for a penis. Or a dildo. Or a dildo. A dildo. Um, okay, we'll just call it an L-rod. L-rod. Um, so I take my L-rod, and I find a ley line, and I'm walking along it. What will I find? Ancient mounds, whether called tumulus, tump, barrow, cairn, or any other name. All very British words that I don't know the meaning of. And so... What kind of mounds are these? Okay, Watkins, our buddy Al, claimed that these were our most important markers, or the most important markers. From their summits, the surveyors and later travelers could spot the next marker point and make for it, eventually creating the tracks that run between them. So, are these, like, very big mounds? Because when I think of Cairn, I think of, like, those little stacked stones, unless I'm thinking of something different. No, uh, unworked stones are what you're thinking of, but ancient mounds are, like, just little hills, essentially, where people would, like, go up on them and be able to sort of see the landscape and go, like, okay, we're gonna go that way, because, you know, I guess in Britain, I don't I don't know how things worked, but I'm assuming that basically footpaths get 
made because it's like the path of least resistance. Like it's the easiest path to get to where people are going between towns and villages, you know, from lump to lump way back when. Yeah, exactly. And so essentially what they're saying is like enough people crossed along these paths and enough like weird shit or bad shit or good shit happened along them that it just like collects magical or supernatural energy. Hmm. Because there were also some stories about, like, Roman burial sites and weird shit that would happen based on crossroads. And it's kind of just the idea that, like, enough people have passed this exact pathway that I guess it collects supernatural energy from just being ground into. I don't know. All that supernatural stank. Pretty much. All right. So ancient unworked stones... Alright, so single standing stones would have played a similar role to the later milestone brought to England by the Romans in that they marked the route of the old straight track. I mean, they are really into this old straight track. Uh, standing stones can vary in height from height from the foot-high unnamed and unworked marked stone often found lying beside the road to the colossal 22-foot-tall devil's arrows in Yorkshire. Um, so you can also find moats and islands in ponds and lakelets. Ponds and moats might have served as easily spotted sightings, sighting points on the track where they would have stood out brightly on the landscape as they reflected the sky above. Just sounds pretty. Mm-hmm. And then traditional or holy whales. Whales? But <laughs> traditional or holy wells. Uh, Al Watkins always maintained that lays, lay lines ran between what he called initial sighting points, one prominent hill to the other, although sometimes they ran from an old well to a hill or vice versa. Also have other things like crossroads with place names, ancient wayside crosses and fords, churches of ancient foundation and hermitages, ancient castles and old castle place names, also straight roads. So pretty much you can find anything on ley lines. They do not discriminate and they're not real. Nope. <laughs> and that's that's one of the things that people talk about when they're trying to disprove it. They're like, you can, like, spit, and there's a ley line, supposedly. Well, we'll talk about these spitting ley lines later. You know, I always <laughs> get my chance to be like, that's not true. Let's find something to dispute first. So, examples. Here we go. So, supernatural highways. Crossroads are traditionally a kind of no man's land, neither here nor there, and a place beyond the real world, a liminal space where normal physical laws don't apply. Such places make it possible to make contact with the spirit world. Wayside shrines and crosses are a common feature of crossroads in Europe, and suicides and murders were frequently buried at such places as it was seen as unconsecrated ground set apart from the everyday world. Such folk beliefs have crossed into the 20th century, and the crossing of paths is a common theme for those who collect stories of paranormal activity, especially sightings and other paranormal events. They often take place along ancient highways, and especially at the crossings of such highways. It's believed that ghosts can only move along straight pathways, and if that is true, then they must meet, perhaps, and even correspond at crossroads. Crossroads were believed to be haunted by various entities that took delight in leading travelers astray. In Britain, folk memory still records the belief in spirits and methods of protection against them. Spirit sweeping was practiced on the Isle of Man. Bernadette Thomas records in The Lay Hunter, which was a like a magazine or a journal, essentially, for ley line hunters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was the 40s? I'm not sure. I, don't quote me. But as a child, she was told that evil spirits could be dispersed if she went to a crossroads at midnight and swept the intersection clean with a broom. So, in order to gather at crossroads, spirits must travel there by some route or other. Lay hunters have also come across legends of underground tunnels and passages, which have been looked upon as possible folk memories of old buried trackways and paths linking places with churches and ancient sites. Watkins excavated several of these lost tracks during his investigations, the link between legendary long-lost tunnels, or long-distance tunnels, and spirit paths seems to be a universal theme in folklore. An underground passage often indicated real secret, a real secret route above ground. So, supernatural highway, highways are basically another word for ley line, from what I gathered. And a lot of the time where they cross, especially at like an actual road, where it's a crossroad... There's a bunch of examples of the supernatural highway stuff. So the Black Abbot of Prestbury... I always feel like I'm going to mess up these names because I feel like they they pronounce them differently than how I my brain 
thinks it should be said. Uh, Prestbury, Gloucestershire. That seems right. All right. So the Black Abbot of Prestbury, Gloucestershire, um, England's reputably most haunted village. Yowza. Um, the Black Abbot may be seen at Easter, Christmas, and on All Saints Day. So pretty much the days when everybody comes to church. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go, you're going to go on Easter, Christmas. And I guess I, I don't know what All Saints Day is. So whatever that is, he's partying over here. The Black Abbot is. Um, his walk starts in the churchyard and ends at Reform Cottage, which is a weatherboarded house dating from the 16th century. Um, paranormal activity is supposed to occur when the old monk is about, so he's a troublemaker. And the cottage garden is said to lie over the burial ground of the monks who came to Prestbury from Lanthony Abbey. And a secret passageway is passageway. And a secret passageway is supposed to link the cottage with the church. So is this a is this one along a supernatural highway? Yeah, these are ones that are supposedly like along supernatural highways. Um, and then there's the Langston Arms Hotel in Kingham in Oxfordshire. Uh, a large number or a number of occurrences took place in 1964, where a ghost appeared to the landlord or the customers every ten days or so in the form of a white shape that resembled the figure of a nun in a headdress. Um, shuffling footsteps and strange sounds like someone coughing often preceded the appearance. The building is only 200 years old, but the foundations are earlier, and there's a story of a bricked-up passageway that led to Burn Abbey. Another tunnel is supposed to link Tangley Hall with the Abbey four miles away. Is this the nun from the movie The Nun? Yeah, when I read that, that's what I thought of. I was like, whoa. <laughs> is it? Is this, is this where they got that? I don't know. Oh, okay. I wanted it to be. All right, the next one that's on one of these highways is Morton and Marsh Gloucesting. It's this Gloucestershire again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the Manor Home Hotel to the church, and that's uh, in Northleach, Gloucestershire, which is a gaggle cottage to the... This is all made-up words. <laughs> Do you want me to read this? I mean, just the beginning part, I guess. I, what the what the heck is in even all these words? Uh... I'm sorry. I'm being very, like... U.S. centric. I just, I don't. These sounds don't go together. They don't work in my mouth hole. Okay, so Morton and Marsh, Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire, uh, the Manor Home Hotel to the Church, Northleach, Gloucestershire, Gaggle Cottage to the Church, and Great Wolford, Warwickshire is where a secret passage leads from the Fox and Hounds Pub to the nearby church. We have those over here. Mm Hmm. We probably stole that from them. <laughs> and they can have it back. I don't want it. I don't want it. I feel like only bad things ever happen at Fox and Hound. Oh, I had some good times back when I was trying to drown my sorrows when I was working in the apartment industry. Made a lot of good friends. Was not cut out for it. Um, let's see. Yeah, okay, so... It's where a secret passage leads from the Fox and Hound's pub to the nearby church, along which... The deceased were supposedly carried. And many years ago, said that the bodies waiting for burial would be laid up in what is now the dining room of the inn. That doesn't seem, uh, sanitary. Subsequent hauntings have been reported from the pub. Drunk people are scared. Even after their everyday uses had been abandoned, the reputation of these old pathways survived in their legends as spirit paths and the haunts of fairies and ghosts. 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 In their study of English ley lines in the late 1970s, Paul Devereaux and Ian Thompson recorded ghost sighting legends on 17 of their 41 surveyed ley line examples and suggested that the link was probably between ghosts and the site on the lays rather than with the lays themselves. But until we can say with any certainty what exactly a ley line really is, this will remain an open question. What could it be now? so one of the things that also appears like in stories about ley lines and crossroads is black dogs i don't know why and i don't know what that means but it's interesting so do you think jules was like a a little specter ghost dog i hope so my little sweet black pomeranian didn't Mm -hmm. ever like to be held by nobody Mm -hmm. just like to sleep under my bed yep 
She was probably one. R.I.P. R. Rest in peace, Jules. Mm-hmm. Miss you every day. She was a Scorpio. Well, you know. <laughs> so is Rachel. They're good. Both good, good Scorpios. Mm-hmm. So is my mama. Oh. I'm surrounded by Scorpios. That. There's apparently, like, Cornish black dog lines that run from Liskier to Launston? Launston? Now it's your turn. Launston? Get in there. Get in deep. Roll it around in your mouth. Launkiston? Launkiston? I don't know. Correct me. (laughs) Come at me. And another that curves from Liskier to Lavastock. If I ever make, like Hmm? like, a goth hot dog line, I'm going to call it Cornish Black Dogs. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, goth ice cream and goth donuts and all this stuff are, are in fashion. I'm going to make Cornish Black Dogs. All right, okay, so here's the question. <laughs> okay. Is the hot dog black or is the bun black? They're both black, baby. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 the no, The ketchup's no, no. black, the mustard's black. No, no, The relish no, is black. No, no, Your mouth I is black it. after you eat it. I'm You're... not allowing you to do this. It's all black. <sighs> no. <laughs> when you eat it, your eyes go black. Oh, I can't wait. They're going to be oh, so big. Jesus Christ, no. In this, in this cultural landscape that we're in right now, Cornish black dogs are gonna be a rager everyone's gonna they're literally going to look like hot dogs that you like forgot on the grill like in the bun for 20 years that got just charred and if you touch them they just disintegrate no (laughs) they're gonna be like a, a a plump juicy shiny black hot dog just begging to be eaten watch out johnsonville wieners i'm coming for you you're not allowed to have any more ideas. <laughs> Why not? It's a no. good idea. Mm-mm. Okay, I want anyone who's ever responded to us on Twitter ever to to tell us. Retweet if you think that the hot dogs are a good idea and like it if you think that they aren't. I'm going to start a poll and I'm going to show you. That nobody wants to eat a fucking black hot dog that looks like... No! It's been singed, like a, a dragon just breathed on it, and it just turned to ash. People love dragons. Just the thought of biting into a hot dog and it being completely black, like... All the way down to the center. So gross. <laughs> just, so okay, gross. don't think about it right now. Just sleep on it. Oh, I'm gonna throw up. Let me know how you oh, feel on Tuesday no. when this comes out. No, no, no. All right, so in the neighborhood of Mid-Devon, <laughs> a tradition of black a black dog, which is a specter... Is seen at night on certain roads is spoken of locally as the Black Dog of Torrington. These are just examples of people seeing the Black Dog. There wasn't a whole lot of information beyond just, like, hearsay. And these are all along ley lines? Yeah, they all fall on ley lines or crossroads, or both. Um, so in 1977, Earth Mysteries writer John Mitchell recounted a tale of a Black Dog scene in 1907 by a Somerset man near Budley Bill. The apparition was fiery-eyed and seen running along the road until it came to a spot where a stream passed under it. And when it reached that spot, the dog shot up into the air in a flash of fire, which led them to believe that, like, apparitions can't cross water, which I don't know how just one instance of that means it's a rule, but whatever. I don't know. I feel like, isn't that a thing with vampires, too? They can't cross, like, a big body of water? Unless they have, like, the soil of their homeland. This just, I don't know if a black dog specter can have a little pouch of its like home soil is it a marsupial i don't know i doubt it it's a shooting star pew so in dartmoor a farmer chased a phantom black dog to a crossroads where it seemed to explode in a blind flash boom and black dog sightings are traditionally associated with churchyards and stretches of old roads and in scotland the black dog is known as a coo sithand don't know if I pronounced that right, it is believed to travel in straight lines along certain roads, its sighting being a warning of impending ill luck or even death. A straight track on the North Somerset coast is referred to as the Death Mile because locals believe it to be haunted by a black dog that brings death to whoever sees it. So seeing one is bad. I think that should be like the tagline on my Cornish black dog. Seeing it is bad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> brings death to whoever sees it. So hide it in your mouth. Uh, save your friends, save your family. 
eat this dog before anyone can lay eyes on it. Be it death by <laughs> supernatural or death by heart attack, the mm. black dog will get you. No, these are low in cholesterol. These are heart-healthy dogs. Mm. <laughs> Tell me about the Malvern Leyline. Oh, you know I could go on about these dogs forever, but I'm going to tell you about the Malvern Leyline. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> All right, so in the Lay Hunter's Companion, which, is that like a book that goes along with the magazine? Or is this a different book? Whatever, it's our friend Paul Devereaux, <laughs> who we saw before. I think it's a book. <laughs> He theorized in a, a, uh, that there was a 10-mile alignment that he called the Malvern Lay that passed through St. Anne's Well and a series of other wells, including the Holy Well, Walm's Well, and St. Putris Well, the Witch Cutting, and a section of the Shire Ditch, Midsummer Hill, White-Leaved Oak, Red Marley Dabiteau, and Pontley. What are the fuck any of those mean? <laughs> I know. I feel like I should have put, like, the Wii Shop music behind that while I was reading that big list. <laughs> um, let's see. The British author, John Mitchell. Again, not Joni Mitchell. It keeps fucking my eyes up. I see it, and I'm just like, ah, Joni Mitchell. British author, John Mitchell, wrote that white-leaved oak is the center of the circle of perpetual choirs and is equidistant from Glastonbury and Stonehenge. Stonehenge is another one that they're like, that's part of a ley line. Like, that's, it's a monument on a ley line. That's easy. Show me something cool. I mean, Stonehenge is cool, but it's kind of old news at this point. Yeah. I cannot be shocked by Stonehenge anymore. So, St. Anne's Well is one of the wells that, that's on the Malvern ley line. And it's a natural spring set on the slopes of Malvern Hills above Great Malvern and falls along the Malvern ley line. The spring is named after St. Anne, the maternal grandmother of Christ, and the patron saint of many wells. A building that dates back to 1813 houses the well, and Malvern water flows freely from an elaborately carved water spout. And Malvern water is supposed to be supernatural. It's supposed to have, like, healing properties. What do you think that spout is carved to look like? I hope it's a little cherub peeing. Oh, me too. <laughs> you, you read my mind. <laughs> I can only hope. I have no idea, though. But then there's also a folklorist and author, Roy Palmer, who um, suggests that it might have been dedicated to Anu, which is a Celtic water goddess. A 19th century antiqu antiquarian speculated that St. Anne's Well, in its primary form, means simply the well dedicated to the sun. Man, everybody wants a piece of this well. Pretty much. I mean, it's old as shit, so, uh, you know, as everything in Britain is. It's just all <laughs> old as shit. So the quality of Malvern spring water was appreciated in the medieval period and the purity of St. Anne's Well in particular was well known in the 15th century as a curative for the many maladies suffered by medieval folk, which means it didn't do anything probably, except it was clean water, which they didn't ever have. So I mean... <laughs> clean water probably does wonders. Yeah, <laughs> considering they literally just drank like alcohol because water was not clean. So yeah, drinking this, they were like, I feel so healthy. Just drink some old, like, super, like, watery beer. Yum. Um, there are even songs of the time that allude to the healing properties of the well. And more, like, modernly, Malvern water has been bottled and distributed in the UK and abroad from as early as the reign of James I, with water, water bottling at the Holy Well being recorded in 1622. Various local grocers have bottled and distributed, distributed Malvern water during the 19th and early 20th centuries, it was first bottled on a large commercial scale by Schweppes, who opened a bottling plant in Holywell in Malvern Wells in 1850. And apparently they introduced it as Malvern Soda, later renaming it Malvern Seltzer Water in 1856. And then the Holywell became derelict until 2009. So, and then they recommenced it and whatever, it's fine now. So now they make more water. Like, I think they probably sell it, but I don't think, like, I don't think they're trying to say it's actually magical. <laughs> they just wanted to rest. <laughs> just want to rest. Please, I've been pumping water yes. out of this little cherub penis for a thousand years. <laughs> just let, <laughs> let me, me rest. I just want my great reward. Okay, so, can you believe that there are some people who think that ley lines are just a pile of bull hockey? Can you even believe? I feel like I'm talking to one right now. <laughs> to me? 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe after I read Raven Boys, I will believe in them. But as of right now, I just, it just sounds, it sounds like weird water tunnels running under the ground. Also, it could be anything. I just don't know. Although, I mean, it has inspired me to this million dollar idea of black Cornish dogs. So I'm thankful for that. But everything else sounds fake. So, professionals have dismissed Watkins' hypothesis at the time he made it, and they still do. They've never come around. For the following reasons. Inaccuracy of maps. Cartography is a tough business, I get it. But Watkins used maps to identify his ancient markers, and so he did not go out and see if they actually could have been used as navigational markers while traveling. Like... He could look at a map and see where they were and be like, oh, they probably use this to travel from one place to another without actually going and checking it out. It's hard to say for sure if they actually would have been useful when traveling. Just using a map for analysis like this is problematic because it's inaccurate due to problems of scale. A one-fourth millimeter line on a one-inch to one-mile map would only be like a 50-foot wide path. Um, as for the diversity of markers, a fun illustration of that problem was to use phone boxes, which I'm guessing they mean like they took a map of current phone boxes. And mm. the guy who did this was an archaeologist named Richard Atkinson, um, and he made a map of telephone box lays. In other words, the mere existence of such lines and a set of points is not evidence. Given enough points, you can create your own meaningful magical lines from almost anything. So I think this is kind of speaking to the point you made earlier where if there's enough of them, you can kind of just make them work in whatever way you want. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, I haven't seen a map or anything like this, but I know they were described as longitudinal and latitudinal lines, but do they actually go like straight across? Are they all completely perpendicular? Uh, I didn't really look at any maps because I was just like, you know, once it said the inaccuracy of maps, I was like, well, that sounds uh, just right. Just that sounds correct. I can't imagine anyone actually going and trekking to all of these spots and being like, oh, it actually lines up exactly. It totally doesn't surprise me that a guy was like, well, of course maps are accurate. And it's like, they're not. They vary a lot. Have you ever seen a U.S. map on a like world map? Or a U.S. map of the United States on the world. We're, like, huge, and we're not actually that big. Mm-hmm. Are we huge, so. or are other countries just small? That is up to the interpretation of whoever is looking at it, I suppose. Did you know you could fit, like, 50 Frances inside of Texas? Well, hot dog. Hot diggity Cornish black dog. <laughs> anyway, so maps are useless. Yep. I mean, maybe someone has actually gone and done all that hard work, but it wasn't me, and it definitely wasn't Alvar Watkins, so. <laughs> Sorry, Al. The other reason is ancient monuments and sites are basically all over the place, especially in the UK. Uh, there are enough ancient sites in the UK to enable you to place every single postal code at the convergence of three or more ley lines between ancient monuments. To illustrate all this, there's actually a website created by a man named uh, Tom Scott. And no matter where you are in the UK, you can key in your postcode and it will quickly tell you about three or four or three or more ley lines that converge on that point, thus proving that you are currently at the hub of spiritual power. No need to trek to Stonehenge. And there's we we have a link to Tom's website. TomScott.com slash lay. Which I took that honestly as like why England is haunted as fuck, to be honest. <laughs> like, everyone's on a ley line, and that's why there's constantly people being like, oh yeah, our house is haunted, no big deal. But is it the ley lines, or is it just that it's super old? Why not both? I guess it could be both. I just, if I were to believe in hauntings, I would just put it on the fact that, like, anywhere you stand, there's probably a pile of, like, ten ghosts from people who have died in that spot, or something like that. But here's the question. Why is it more reasonable to believe in ghosts and less reasonable to believe in ley lines? Because ghosts comes from peoples. I don't know where ley lines come from. Well, I mean, we don't completely understand, like, a lot of things that happen in the, like, world, so. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying 
ghosts to me make more sense because they might be like tied to places and things like that. Whereas ley lines, it just seems like they could also be explained by a lot of other things. Maybe so. Or they could just both be fake. I just don't know. Whichever. <laughs> um, also, the book that I read was um, Ley Lines, The Greatest Landscape Mystery by Danny Silvina, which was very helpful. And basically, he provided all of the supernatural information. If you want to read more about Ley Lines and get yourself spooked, definitely read it because I was spooked. <laughs> um, but he says that Watkins knew Ley Lines crossed all of Britain and could be found anywhere by anyone. Among features to look out for were Beacon Hills, where signal fires once burned, Artificial mounds, earthworks, ancient circular moats, old churches built on pagan sites. And basically, he was just saying, like, yeah, I don't know. Who cares? Like, Britain's old. <laughs> There's thousands of things. There's thousands of ley lines everywhere. Your house is on one. So it's not like he said they're something, like, special that is really rare. But at the same time, there's no scientific evidence proving any of it's real, so... <laughs> That's why it's a pseudoscience. Yep. Just like dousing rods. Yep. I mean, people put a lot of work into it, and I guess it doesn't, like, hurt anything unless you, like, go out of your way to build your house in a weird spot or something because you want it to be on a ley line. I mean, believing in it doesn't hurt anything, so. Are there any people who actually, like, try to harness it or use it for good? Like, if it's a, a source of spiritual power, do people who have, like, pagan beliefs or people who practice wicca or anything like gravitate to areas like this or is it all just ghosts and spooky things um i'm not sure i didn't really look into that part of it i was really just trying to find sort of like the quote unquote facts on them quote unquote <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would just be interested to know if that's something where, like, if it is, if people are seeking out energy like that for celebrations or anything like that, if they would take something like this into account, or if there are also people within those religions that consider it bunk. I'm sure it's a mixture, a healthy mixture of both. Part of the reason why I was interested in ley lines is because in Raven Cycle, essentially, they're looking for a ley line in the first book because there's supposed to be a, like, Celtic king that's buried there named Glendower and essentially if you wake him from his tomb he'll like grant you a wish or whatever Ooh. and um, because he's buried on a ley line he's still like he would be you'd be able to wake him up because it's magic the ley line plays into like a huge portion of the plot and it's just a really interesting like idea that there's essentially something that's deep within the earth that like we've been adding to over centuries by building like you know religious monuments or people dying there people being born there just anything it's just an interesting and like kind of cool idea and it makes you feel more like more something something <laughs> yes oh, yeah, that's i fair. don't know it's just an interesting like fun idea probably not real but interesting to think about the end. Sources for today were provided by skeptical-science.com, Wikipedia, and Danny Silvina's Leylines, The Greatest Landscape Mystery. Which you can get the ebook for. The kickstart has betrayed me. I have to pee so badly. <laughs> um, I don't have a specific thing this week that is spooky and fun. I just wanted to give a shout out to the holiday creep for Halloween. Because I know some people get super duper mad when they start seeing stuff pop up in like late August for Halloween when they're at Michael's or at home or wherever the fuck. But man, does it heal my soul, waters my crops. I just love walking into a store and seeing a bunch of spooky skeletons and costumes and candy and glitter bats and just you know whatever you don't need for halloween because it's a mindset and it's always in your heart but then this time of year you can let it out of your heart you can just explode your heart out and let all of the spooky skeletons and and candles and scary stuff come out all the cobwebs and just release them and let them explode all over your house 
And I love that. I didn't know that there were people that got mad about the Halloween creep. Like, I get frustrated with the Christmas creep sometimes because it's like, especially at places like Hobby Lobby, it's all of a sudden it's like, it feels like it's the dead of summer and they're putting out Christmas tree stuff and you're like, what? Why? The thing that makes me the most mad about that is when they have that out, but they don't have the Halloween stuff out yet. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) Halloween's coming up first, y'all. Like, can we go in order of, like, appearance, please? Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's probably people out there, I don't know where they are, but there are probably people who, like, walk down the aisle and look at all the ornaments and are like, oh, boy, it's July. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And that's me at Halloween. Only six more months (laughs) till Christmas. It's just, there's nothing like walking into Michael's and just seeing, like, six or seven aisles just full of stuff to make your house look like a scary haunted house, and I'm living for it, and I love it. I also love Halloween stuff. (laughs) It's good. It'll be here before you know it. What are you going to be this year? I don't know, man. I was Final Pam last year, and this year I don't even really know, like, what we're doing for Halloween. Because the party that we usually go to, the hosts are a wee bit busy this year. So <laughs> we won't be having that, which is totally fine. But everyone also just seems real busy. So I I'm, might be the first year that I don't have like a party or something that I know for sure I'm going to. So I don't want to not make a costume. But might just focus on looking like something scary for hanging out at my house and passing out candy. And helping Mark scare little children. That'll be good. My my heart is always open for other things, so if something comes up and we go somewhere, I'll put more thought into it. But right now, I'm just kind of trying to embody the spirit of spookiness. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. My recommendations this week are both Netflix shows. First one I watched when it came out um, earlier this month. And it's uh, a Matt Groening show, which Taylor is not a fan of anything by Matt Groening. So, um, but anyways, he makes like The Simpsons and Futurama. And then there's a new show on Netflix called Disenchantment. And Ryan and I binge watched it. And it's, I think, like nine or ten episodes. And I really enjoyed it. It's the main character is a buck tooth kind of squirrely princess and she's just really funny and a mess and she's voiced by abby from um broad city i just i really enjoyed it it's kind of like a fantasy thing it's medieval there's elves and magic and all sorts of stuff and it was just sort of like a easy thing to watch in the background i'm curious to see what the second season will be like if they renew it Um, just because I felt like a lot of the first season was sort of world building and giving us like background information. And I feel like the second season will have more plot, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there was plot, but it was more towards the end. But one of my favorite characters is, um, her stepmom. Oh my god, what's her name? She's like a lizard person or a frog person. I can't remember, but she's this, like, (laughs) species of humanoid that... Like, she crawls up walls and has a long tongue. and She's just great. Love her. A-plus character. Um, and then the other show that I've been watching and really enjoying was um, Terrace House Opening New Doors. It's the newest season of Terrace House, which is a Japanese, like, essentially really chill real world where it's six strangers that live in a house and, like, live together for... Sometimes, like, a shorter amount of time, but this one, I think, is, like, literally a year long, because in the three parts that have come out so far, I'm pretty sure they're there from, like, fall till... They've been there, I think, almost four or five months, and it's just really interesting, because, like, one, it's glimpses into, like, a different culture, and two... Um, sometimes they like form friendships or fall in love or it's just really interesting. And like the, the drama that is like in a Western show is so different than a drama in Terrace House. And I guess it's just like cultural differences, but like, I can't imagine, I mean, part of it is also production value and like what producers are trying to emphasize, but I don't know. It's, it's just really good. So if you want to check out something new. 
Um, Disenchantment was really good, and Terrace House opening new doors is really good. There's other seasons, but I haven't really watched those, so. Now, I tried to watch a season a while back because uh, Griffin and Rachel over on Wonderful Podcast were talking about it a bunch, and they were like, it's just really, like, nice, and it's fun, and, like, it's not super stressful, like mm-hmm. some American reality TV shows can be where everyone's screaming and freaking out. But for the longest time, they would always say Tara's house. And so I I thought it was like they were staying at someone's house named Tara. I thought that <laughs> for the longest time, too, because when people say Tara, they say it like Tara's house. And I'm like, it's Terrace, like a Terrace. Mm-hmm. But when I finally, I was like, oh, it's Terrace House, which then also didn't make sense to me totally. I'm guessing it's a type of house or something. I have no idea. I'm. But I wanted to get into it, and I probably didn't give it a fair shake, because I've heard such good things about it. And it just seems, like, very comfy and nice. It is. It really is. Both good suggestions. Give them a shot. Well, that wraps it up. Yeah, we're done. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can follow us on Google Play. We're on Podbean. However you want to find us, you can probably find us on whatever podcatcher you use. If you feel like giving us a five-star review, uh, we would love it. I would never say no to a five-star review. We are on... What's the one with the little bird? A tweeter? Twi- Twitter. A Twitter. Twitter. We're on, we're on Twitter at Ghost Emoji Show. Um, you can also email us at ghostemojipodcasts at gmail.com. Uh, just to say hello, if you've got a spooky story, if you've got a suggestion, something that you would like us to cover, we're down with that. Um, I have been thinking about maybe having an Instagram for our show, but I'm still just kind of sitting on it, so maybe we'll have an Instagram soon? I don't know. Might be fun. Could be fun. Could be awful. Could be terrible. Could be the worst. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of both. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. But until next time, always remember to say goodbye. 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 Goodbye.